You're listening to Solace Radio, Monta Vista, Colorado. If you like the programming you hear on Solace Radio, please become a partner with us and donate any amount you'd like, and we'd sure appreciate it. And it helps us to reach more and more people around the world with this great message of hope. Thank you for listening to Solace Radio. Now, back to our program. This morning's portion is Parashat Vayikra. Wasn't it neat in the, in the scroll to actually see that break and, and to see how the, how the scroll works and, and the flow of the books and, and know that you're looking at the place where the Jewish world today, is they're all reading from the same, same place in the scriptures, in, in Leviticus chapters 1 through 5. This morning again is Parashat Vayikra, Vayikra, all the portions are named from the first significant word within that portion. In this week's portion, it's the first word. Vayikra el Moshe, and he called to Moshe, to Moses. The first five chapters, I mean, it's really simple to provide the overview for this. Five chapters, five different sacrifices. The writer of the book of Hebrews clearly knew his stuff. Because he went through them in, in his little list of the, of the sacrifices. So let me just lay out for you the five sacrifices in the order that they, that they appear in the scriptures. The first are the burnt offerings. And we're going to talk more about these, these, each of these sacrifices in a little bit. The burnt offerings are the, uh, the Ola. Ola. Not Ola. Ola, it means in Hebrew to go up. These are, these are things that go up. Ha'ola, it's the burnt offering. It's the, the offering that, that rises. Uh, these, this is the first one. That's all, all of chapter one is about this burnt offering, the Ola offering. Chapter two is the grain offering, the Mincha offering. Mincha in Hebrew, anyone know what Mincha is? Mincha, the word itself means gift. It's a gift. Today, in the Orthodox world, there are three times that we pray. There is the shacharit, which is from the, the word shachar, or you know, rising. So, so we, it doesn't mean rising, but it's the morning, the morning prayers. The, uh, the mincha prayers, which are the afternoon prayers. And then the ma'arif, from the, the Hebrew word erev, which is evening uh, then the evening prayers. Mincha is that middle one. Mincha is the word that means gift, and that's the time when the mincha offerings were, were made, was during the early afternoons, or, or so we, we believe. Then in chapter 3, we have the shalomim offerings. Shalomim, anyone want to guess what that is? The peace offerings, exactly right. Shalomim is the sacrifice for peace, the sacrifice for wholeness or completeness, or for friendship or fellowship. Then we get serious. Chapter 4 is the Hatat offering. Hatat. Anyone know what Hatat is? Hatat is sin. We have the sin offerings in chapter 4. Hatat, it means missing the mark. That's uh, where we hear the phrase or the, the idea of that sinning is... Uh, from an archery term, to miss the mark, miss the target. 
Chatat, that's what Chatat is. And then guilt offering is the fifth one in the fifth chapter. And this is Asham, Asham, the guilt or the fault offering. If you look at the requirements that are set forth for the Asham offering or the guilt offering, and then you fast forward to Isaiah chapter 53, we see that this suffering servant that would come would actually fulfill the Asham offering, the guilt offering. And you can, you can see that fairly clearly once you, once you know about what the guilt offerings are and how it was supposed to fulfill all of those things that, that the guilt offering was supposed to, to take care of. And we're going to talk more about that in just a few minutes. Now, each one of these sacrifices has a very specific purpose. All of them were laid out for the priest, and this is God providing instructions. In this particular situation, this is what you're supposed to do. This is the offering. This is how you're supposed to kill it. This is what you're supposed to do with it after you kill it. And if you don't have this, then this is what you can do as a substitute. It's very, very specific. They all had rules. And all of them were available to everybody. Lottie Dottie. If you couldn't afford the primary thing, they offered a secondary thing in case you couldn't, you know, couldn't get to that other one. So, it was available to everybody, and each one had a specific lesson to teach. Obviously, I don't have time to go through every single one of them in, in detail, but we're going to touch a little bit on all of them. There is one that I want to focus on a little bit later, and the, the reason is that it's, it's something that, that the writer of the book of Hebrews uh, said in our portion for this morning, that we are holy to the Lord. With that, that actually has a connection to one of the sacrifices in, in, in Leviticus. And, and we'll talk about that shortly. But what I do want you to see is that every single one of them finds their fulfillment in Yeshua, the Messiah, the ultimate sacrifice for everything. That's really what we're going to talk about today. This morning's message might sound a little bit confusing or contradictory in its title, but the title of this message is The Seldom Selfish, I'm sorry, The Seldom Selfless Sacrifice. The Seldom Selfless Sacrifice. Let's pray. Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, our Father in heaven. Lord, thank you for giving us these sacrifices, a glimpse into what it takes to achieve relationship with you, to restore relationship with you. Lord, you're going to teach us a lot about that you know, next week and the week after for Passover. But Father, you instituted these sacrifices for a purpose, for a reason. Lord, share with us today what we're supposed to do, that we're not making the sacrifices now, but you have a purpose for them still, which is why you gave them. So Father, teach us today Help us to apply that to our lives and make us different people because of it. Ultimately, the, the, all the honor and glory goes to you. So, Father, help us to, to be your instruments here to draw others to you by what you do in us today. Thank you, Father. In the name of your Son, Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. All right, let's watch this video.
So, you're... really him, aren't you? You want more proof? I haven't done the pillow of salt thing in a while. That's all right, I believe you. I just... I don't understand why you chose me. You want to change the world, son. So do I. What? Why an ark? I mean, that's like flood territory. You wouldn't do that again. You wouldn't do that. Would you do that? Let's just say that whatever I do, I do because I love you. Well, then you have to understand that this whole building an ark thing is really not part of my plans here. I need to settle into my house. I need to make a good impression at work. <laughs> what? Your plans. That's just... <laughs> What are you talking? I'm, we're talking about an ark, right? I mean, an ark? An ark is huge. I don't even know where I would begin. Al, well, I hear that a lot. People want to change the world, don't know how to begin. You want to know how to change the world, son? One act of random kindness at a time. Build the ark. I'll tell you what. You build it, I'll fill it. And if anybody asks, tell them Flood's coming. Oh, and uh, you might need this. Okay, so what do I do? I grab the wood. Oh, okay. You know, that's just cruel. Do you see him? I don't see him. Obviously, this is from that fantastic movie, Evan Almighty. Evan is a news anchorman who is, a, who is now a politician. Uh, actually, I think he was a weatherman, if I, if I remember correctly. He was a weatherman, but now he's a politician, and he's a junior politician just coming into his own trying to make a really good impression, and he has this encounter with, with God, who commissions him to build an ark. Now, the request doesn't seem to fit in with Evan's plans, which causes God to laugh, to think that God's plans should, should be interfering in our plans. God, God just thinks that's funny. I, I, I know, he's laughed at me many times when his plans interfered with mine. He's like, that's funny, your plans. <laughs> I mean, that's where we get the phrase, you know, God or man makes plans and God laughs, right? It's true, it's true. God thinks it's pretty funny when, when Evan tells him that it doesn't fit in his plans. He says, in order to change the world, essentially, Evan is going to make, have to make his own plans less important than what God's plans are for him. I'll say that again. In order for Evan to change the world, he is going to have to make his own plans less important than God's plans for him. That's sort of where we are in this particular clip. But I want to challenge your thinking a little bit. Evan's plan was to change the world. If he decides he's going to follow God's plan 
in order for him to change the world, that he's still really following after his own plan. Which adds just a little bit of selfishness. Even into something that seems so sacrificial. I'm giving up my plans to change the world so I can change the world according to your plan. But I'm still going to change the world because that's my plan. What? I just want you to see that sometimes, even when we think we are making sacrifices, it's not as selfless as perhaps we might think. We can see this in this morning's passage. In fact, our whole portion. Starting with Leviticus chapter 1 and the Ola offering, the burnt offerings. Now, these offerings are supposed to be given at special times, at, at festivals, that's true. Uh, but even daily, you can give them for specific special purposes. Problem is, is that when you read through this particular section, this is chapter 1. There is a benefit. If you make this sacrifice, you're going to get something out of it. Really? Okay, I'll do it. Well, then it's not really selfless, is it? So what do you get? What do you get from the Ola offering? Well, according to the scripture in chapter 1, you get kiper. What is kiper? I'll use it in a different sentence. Yom Kippur. Covering. Or, what's another word for it? Atonement. Atonement. Atonement or covering. This is chapter 1 and verse 4. Starts right out in the beginning. Make the sacrifice, you get kiper. Covering or atonement. Now, that's great, but there's something else that it, it says. I mean, atonement, it's kind of kind of up here. It, it's upper echelon. I don't quite understand it. Uh, I, under, I, I know I need it, but I'm not exactly sure what it is. Help me out. So the scriptures later on in verses 3 and 4 together, it says that this atonement, whatever, whatever this atonement is, this theological thing, it provides something. And what does it provide? It provides acceptance. By making this sacrifice, we get acceptance. Who doesn't want acceptance? No, I'd rather be rejected. Everybody wants to be accepted. Everyone wants to feel like they've been accepted by somebody else. In Hebrew, this word is ratzah. Ratzah. It's basically, in, it means to be pleased with or to accept favorably. So if we, if we do this thing, this sacrifice, God will accept us favorably. He'll look at us favorably. He'll be pleased with us. That's a great thing. In fact, this word, ratza, uh, is the root of another word called ratzon. And we say in, 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 in Jewish liturgy a lot, ken yehi ratzon. Ken yehi ratzon. In Hebrew, that means, yes, may it be his will. Ratzon is will. His will, good will, God's will. So this idea of atonement or kiper 
through the Ola offering, the sacrifice, the burnt offering in chapter one, if we do this, if we make this sacrifice, we are going to get atonement. We are going to get acceptance. We are going to be brought back into relationship or favor with God and brought back under his will for us. So all of this sacrifice really earns us something. It gets us something. We, we need to do this in order to get, you get this stuff. So keep that in mind as we talk about the next, the next sacrifice. Now, I'm sorry, we're going to skip the next sacrifice. The next sacrifice in chapter 2 is the last one we're going to talk about. That's the the grain or the meal offering that the writer of the book of Hebrews refers to. Uh, The next one I want to go to is in chapter 3. This is the shalomim offering, the peace offering. In the peace offering, the peace offering actually is a burnt offering. It's another burnt offering, and it's used to create peace. When do you need to create peace? <clears throat> How about Jennifer? Jennifer, what do you think? Okay? So, peace you need to get when you have no peace. When there's war or angst or strife or struggle or anger, maybe. Look, there's plenty of times when I am angry with God. But I sort of feel like because of my inability to be perfectly obedient, that God can, has a tendency to get angry with me too. Now, that's all theoretical because God loves me. And I absolutely know that, just like he loves you too. In fact, I, I don't remember when I first saw this movie, you know, hearing the phrase that, that God tells Evan, he said, everything I do, I do Because I love you. And yet, it doesn't always feel that way. Quite sure that in tasking Evan with the ark, Evan didn't quite feel that way. But it's true regardless of what we feel. So, this burnt offering, this peace offering, shlomim offering, could be used to to satisfy God's anger with us, more likely to satisfy our anger with God. And yet, in the scripture, it's called a soothing aroma. How many of you have heard that that phrase before? A fragrant aroma in the nostrils of our God. I actually took a look at this particular phrase. In the Hebrew, it says, L'reach, l'reach, nichoach, nichoach. I don't expect you to remember this, and I'm not going to test you on it later. But both of these words are actually nouns. An aroma, a a scent, a smell, that is a fragrance. This, This offering is a fragrance. But it's also a soothing. Does that make sense? Do you understand that? It's a soothing. The word actually comes from the root word noach. Anyone know what noach means? No, it's based on comfort, or it's actually the root of comfort. Noach means rest. Noach means rest. 
So this is a, is causing restfulness. It's 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 a soothing. It's a quieting. It's a calming. That's what this particular offering is. This peace offering provides us with peace. It provides us with a quieting. It provides us with a rest, a cessation of strife. This is sort of the idea of peace in the context of shalom. It's not that God quiets everything around us. It's that amidst all of the chaos, God quiets us here, inside. That's what we gain from this peace offering, a stillness, a quietness, a comfort, a soothing, a peace. That's chapter 3. Chapter 4 is that, ugh, I don't even want to think about it anymore, the, the chatat offering. Chatat. It's given for unintentional sin. This is chapter 4 and verse 2. This is the sin offering. The offering that you have to make when you commit a sin unintentionally. In this particular chapter, it goes through the fact that it's personal. It's also corporate, in case the entire nation commits a sin. It's for the entire assembly. But it's also for the leaders of the assembly. Now, this, this sacrifice also provides atonement, according to what, what chapter 4 says. But this also gives us something else that we haven't yet seen through the sacrifices. So in the first one, in the burnt offering, we get atonement and we get this covering. We get acceptance. We get ratzon. In the peace offering, we, we make the sacrifices and we get a soothing, a quieting, a comfort, a rest. In this fourth one, we get atonement, but in this case, we get something else. We get what we call forgiveness. In Hebrew, this is the word salach. Salach means to pardon or forgive. And in chapter 4, verses 31 and 35, the sin offering earns us forgiveness. This is huge in Judaism. In, in fact, one of the biggest prayers that we pray during Yom Kippur, one of the most significant, I want to say biggest, but one of the most significant is the one that says Salachti, which is from God's perspective, the word, I forgive you. I forgive. Salachti, I forgive. Here, this is how we earn it. Through this, this sin offering. It's pardon or forgiveness. And it ties in with the guilt offering. If the sin offering is offered for the sins that we commit unintentionally, the guilt offering in chapter 5 is for the sins that we commit that we didn't know were sins when we committed them. When are we supposed to offer them? As soon as we feel, as soon as we realize, as soon as we learn or understand that what we did was a sin, that's when we incur the guilt. 
That's has so many implications. I don't have time to get into all of them. If you don't know that you're sinning, the guilt hasn't come upon you yet. When it does, you have to make atonement for that. You have to make reparations for that. That's the guilt offering. A lot of people are confused about the difference between the sin offering and the guilt offering. That's the difference. The sin offering are the ones that you, I mean, you know they're sins, but you, you, you unintentionally break them. You break those rules. This one for the guilt offering or for the, the, the times when, again, you've committed these, you didn't know that, they were, that it was wrong at the time. You find out later that it was wrong. Now all of this guilt comes on you because you've been doing this the whole time and you realize, oh my goodness, this is wrong. Now you've got all this guilt and this is what the guilt offering is for. It's a special kind of sin offering, actually. Uh, and it teaches us this, that just because you don't know it's a sin doesn't mean you're not guilty of committing the sin. Just because you didn't know it was a sin when you committed it doesn't mean you're not guilty for committing the sin. You just don't know it yet. And this one also provides atonement and forgiveness. Salachti, God says, I forgive. What all of this means, and what I hope you're getting, is that by making these sacrifices, these are not selfless sacrifices. These are sacrifices that we make in order to get something. Right, Naya? I know. They're seldom selfless. In fact, we've already spoken about four of the five different sacrifices, which means that 80% of the sacrifices in the first five chapters of Leviticus, of Leviticus are, are essentially somewhat selfish. Because we get something out of it. But what about that other 20%? What about that fifth sacrifice? Well, that fifth sacrifice is in chapter 2. We skipped over it to get to the Shlomim sacrifice. This is the Mincha offering. The Mincha is what we call the grain offering. The writer of the book of Hebrews calls it a meal offering. And this is what it is. It's, it's flour with oil and frankincense. So, okay, it's going to smell good. Probably won't taste wonderful. But it's going to smell good. It, it, it will have no leaven. It has to be unleavened. So it's not going to have that yeasty smell when it's cooking, but it still should smell pretty good. And it must be seasoned with salt. The interesting thing to me is that there is no other offering of which God says it is Kodesh Kodashim. Kodesh Kodashim, most holy. Why on earth or in heaven would this particular sacrifice be most holy? Well, if you read through that chapter, we don't get a thing from it. You could go your entire life, look at this, and not do this, and not miss anything. That's why I believe it's called... A gift. So 20% is selfless. 
80% is at least slightly selfish. But these are the sacrifices that we commanded. Why then would we be surprised at all when the writer of the book of Hebrews says in chapter 10 and verse 4 that it's impossible for the blood of, of, of bulls and goats to take away sin? I want to go back to that particular verse. This is Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4. And just share with you a little bit about the underlying imperatives here to learn in the Greek. In verse 4 it says, it is a dunatos. Now dunatos is sort of where we get the word for dynamite from. It means power. The prefix a in front of it means without. It is absolutely without power. There is no power in those sacrifices. None. That's why we say impossible in the English. It is impossible. It is completely without power for the blood of bulls and goats to afereo. Afereo means to cut off. Cut off. Take away or remove. So this is not simply to cover, kiper, or to wash. You know, this is... This is to actually just take them away. Make, you know, cut them off. Surgically remove them if you need to. Take your sins away from you and remove them. Toss them away. In fact, you know, we talk about at Rosh Hashanah, tossing them into the sea uh, and, and God taking them away as far as the east is from the west. Never touching. The blood of bulls and goats is this what in this passage could never do that. It does not have the power to do that. It's impossible. And yet, thanks be to God, we have another way. We don't have to rely on those things anymore. Those, those sacrifices that are somewhat selfish, that have no power anyway to do what we're trying to get them to do. Yeshua, however, fulfills the sacrifices for atonement, sin, guilt, and peace. In fact, now he is the only way to achieve those things that those sacrifices were intended to give us. What were those things intended to give us? In, in chapter 1, it was intended to give us atonement. That's absolutely provided by Yeshua. He is our atonement sacrifices. He gives us acceptance. That was the other part of, of the, the burnt offering. Through Yeshua's sacrifice, we have been fully, 100% accepted by God. And there's nothing else we need to do. So he absolutely fulfills that first burnt offering, the Ola offering. He also fulfills for peace. He is the one who makes the peace between us and God. Through him, we have rest. We have that comfort. We have that soothing. He says, in fact, my peace, I give you. He fulfills that peace sacrifice 100%. Sin and guilt, okay? atonement again, and forgiveness. It is through the atoning death of Messiah and his rising from the grave that he sits at the right hand of God, even now, interceding on our behalf, causing God to look upon us and say, Salachti, I forgive. 
So the sin, the guilt offering, the peace offering, the, sh- the shlomim offering, the ola offering, that burnt offering, he fulfills those. And in fulfilling them, he has given us the ability. He has given us the ability to, to continuously, in every moment, in every day, in every week, month, year of our lives, to actually make that final sacrifice, that one that we get nothing from. The mincha offering. Through, through fulfilling the others, he gives us the one, the ability to make that last one. Since he has removed, cut off, and taken away all of our sin, we are now free to make that special offering, that grain offering, which is a sacrifice of worship. We get nothing from it. God says, everything I do, I do because I love you. When we do things for God just because we love him, that's worship. We don't need anything in return. We don't get anything in return. We just want him to know that we love him. That's worship. That's the mincha offering. It's our gift to God. He gives us enough gifts. Time we give one back. That's why I believe that it's the most holy of the offerings. The most holy offering is the one in which we get nothing in return. We make the offering just because we want to, to show God that we love and worship him. Again, the Hebrew term for that sacrifice is the word for gift. According to scripture, our lives are now a living sacrifice. Which one of those sacrifices do you think the scriptures is referring to? Our lives now become a mincha offering. A mincha gift sacrifice. What were the requirements of the mincha offering? To be fragrant. To be unleavened, that is without sin. And you can't do that. But God did it. He made us unleavened, and that's what we're going to talk about next week at Passover and the week after. It's also, remember, supposed to be seasoned with salt. And if you remember the teaching that we were talking about, about Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 17, he calls us to be salted, flavored, meaning different from the rest of the world. So that's what this, this mincha offering is supposed to be. It's supposed to be unleavened, without sin, and salty. That's different, flavorful, unique. And you know that when we talk about being different from the world, that word is holy. And so even in our becoming this mincha offering, the scriptures talk about the fact that the mincha offering is the most holy of all of the offerings. And isn't it just like God to make sure that if we're going to live a life that is a mincha offering to him, that we will be also kiddoshim, holy ones for him. And after all, he did say, be holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. If you aren't living that mincha offering sacrifice to him, 
Perhaps it's because you have not yet put your trust and faith in Messiah Yeshua, who made all of those other sacrifices fulfilled for you. If you have not, this is the time to do it. Right now, don't wait another minute. Passover is coming and you will learn again the nature of redemption, the nature of forgiveness, the nature of deliverance, the nature of freedom. And that's what God does for us in Messiah Yeshua. Don't wait. Put your trust and faith in Yeshua, the Messiah. Now, if you need help, give us a call, give us an email, and we will help you through this because he loves you. Everything he does, he does because he loves you and all of you. And don't forget that as you leave here today, that he sacrificed himself to fulfill the burnt offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering so that your very lives could be the gift offering of worship to the Lord your God. Let's pray. Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, our Father in heaven. You are a great and glorious God and King. And the fact that you even want this for us is a testimony to your grace, to your love for us, to the fact that you do love us and that everything you do, you do out of that love. Thank you, Father, for setting us free. Thank you, Father, for making us holy ones. And thank you, Father, for the peace, the rest, and the acceptance that we have in you because of the work of your son, Yeshua, our Messiah. We love you, Father, and help us now to worship you back, showing you how much we love you because you loved us first. We praise you, Father, and we love you, we worship you. In the name of your son, Yeshua, our Messiah. Our foundation is built on solid rock. Yeshua, Yeshua. the rock of our salvation on Solace Radio.